In the beginning was the world. See, you think uh, religion is for suckers and easy marks and mollycoddles, huh? He's just you think Jesus is some kind of a sissy, eh? Jesus had guts. Hi and welcome to History Makers, I'm Matt Prater. We're here talking with Pastor Phil Dooley. Now I met Phil in 1993 at Hillsong Youth Jam, a long time ago. And uh, we hung out for a bit then. And I've been following his ministry over the years. Recently, uh, two, two or three years ago, he uh, felt the call of God to go over to South Africa and plant a Hillsong church in Cape Town. Uh, an incredible story. Uh, before we get into that, let's just go back to the beginning. Uh, Phil was a youth pastor for a number of years. Uh, and his beautiful wife, Lucinda. Now, tell us, Phil, uh, about your background. How old were you when you became a Christian? What was your conversion like? Well, uh, it's good to be here. Matt reconnected after many, many years. When you said 1993, I mean, that is just scary to think that we've been about this and we're here at Hillsong Conference all those years later. Um, But uh, it's all part of God's plan. Uh, yeah, yeah, my story, um, grew up in a Christian home, um, uh, thank God for parents who, you know, had a faith in Christ and brought us along to church. Uh, we're going to a traditional church, um, and I think it was probably out of the right thing to do that my parents kept going. Uh, my dad has always had great integrity, and I love that about him, and, uh, I think, you know, it kind of got to a point in my early teenage years where it wasn't, I didn't see the relevance of church or Christianity in my life. And then my mum uh, started kind of searching a little bit more and we ended up in a church. It was probably more a spirit-filled kind of church. And, uh, you know, at that time, really connected with mum and she was like, as much as it freaked her out because it was different, she was like, I think there's something here that we need. And we as a family ended up heading over there. I did make a commitment. I remember making a commitment to Christ at the age of 12 after a boys' brigade meeting. Uh, thank you to the Baptist Church uh, for boys' brigade. And I made a commitment to Christ there. But I think, you know, I, I didn't really have an environment that was encouraging that. And then when I got a bit older and we kind of went into this other church that had a youth ministry there that kind of encouraged the faith, the fledgling faith that I had. And out of that really stirred me to, uh, to go forward in, in the call of God on my life. So, yeah. Okay, so thank God for Boys Brigade. You ended up at Hills CLC, which uh, is now Hillsong Church. Tell us how you got involved uh, in this church. Uh, that was um, because my family, again, moved into the Hills area. And the church was only three years old, and I'd heard about it because the church I was in kind of had relationship. And I think the, some of the youth guys had preached for each other. And, and I knew about the church, and I kind of knew a little bit about Pastor Brian and what was happening. And I thought, I said to my parents, I said, this is where I'm going to go. And whether you guys are going to go there, that's where I'm going to go to church. And the whole family, we decided to go there. And uh, yeah, it was Hills Christian Life Center. Look, it wasn't world known, you know, world renowned. It wasn't known around the world. The worship was not having the impact it is now. But it was just a great local church, passionate people, passionate pastor, meeting in a warehouse in the Hills area. And uh, yeah, it was another step in the journey and uh, kind of stirred my passion for Christ even more. Now, you led the youth group for a number of years. Tell us about how it started and then where it ended up to and until you left a few years ago? 
12 long years, Matt. 12 long years of youth ministry. Uh, you look, it just started by being involved, by serving. I was at high school and then went to university and, you know, kind of wondering what am I going to do with my life. Um, I remember hearing a preacher say, you know, how long are the best minds going to go to IBM and Coca-Cola and big multinational companies? When are some of the best minds going to go towards building the church? And I thought, yeah, when are they? Well, if they're not going to go, I'll have a go. <laughs> Uh, but I was studying business. You know, I did a business degree, completed that, but at the same time really felt challenged. I've got to bring and give the best of what I have to build the church. And so I did that and I started serving. I went to see Donna Crouch, who was our pastor at the time. You know, the, the interesting thing about our church, and I think one of the reasons why the youth ministry flourished is because for about 20 or so years, we only had three youth pastors. Uh, Daka Koljek was a youth pastor when I was first there, and then Donna Crouch led the church, the youth ministry, sorry, for nine years. And we came in under Donna's leadership and uh, started serving. And she said, hey, you know what? If you're going to serve, this is where I need you to serve, in the junior high program. Because she realized that the youth ministry is going to grow up. And I didn't want to serve there. I was like, you know, I don't know, they're snotty those little punks. But I remember going home and praying about it. It was literally like God said to me, if that's where the need is, that's where I want you to serve. And so I was like, okay, God, I will serve here. And uh, in doing that, God broke my heart for these kids, for these young people. And I started serving there with the junior high young people and uh, getting involved with them, loving them. And, uh, you know, out of that, a whole lot of guys, Joel Houston, Marty Sampson, they were all part of the junior high ministry. And uh, something developed from there. We started getting them involved in the band. Things started growing. We ended up taking on the leadership. You know, we had great leadership under Donna, setting us up for a win. And uh, it kind of went from there. We, you know, the guys started writing songs. The worship grew. The youth got passionate about their schools and universities. And it kind of just all happened. And we uh, we were amazed at what God did. Now, you know, I was a youth pastor for 10 years as well, Phil. I, I feel your pain. I know it's not in those little kids. I know what, you know. But, you know, I had 50 kids, 100 kids sometimes at youth, you know. You guys are dealing with thousands and thousands. You're filling out stadiums for Youth Alive rallies, you know, on a grand scale. What, what are some of the bigger events that you can remember from the, the youth leadership years? Yeah, look, I mean, it, it really is a miracle, you know, Matt. When I look back on it, it was like a dream. One day we had this dream. Imagine if we could have a 1,000 young people in the youth ministry. And I remember the night that that happened, and there was a 1,000 young people there. And you know what I realized? The challenges and all the rest of it didn't change, whether there was 50 or whether there was 1,000. You just had a bigger challenge on your hands, and so you needed more leaders, and God graced us with the ability to raise up leaders, and the youth ministry kept growing, and young people got passionate about bringing their friends, and you know, then I took on the leadership of Youth Alive for New South Wales and had the privilege of running that for a number of years, and you know, we, we, uh, we wanted to do something, again, that was always putting ministry in the hands of the next generation. And I hope even with Youth Alive, we started the EXO days, and they were all about for the students, by the students. And we ended up seeing events held here, uh, kind of in the Olympic precinct at the uh, stadium with over 13,500 young people. Remember the final one I did, you know, it was about reaching the youth. It was about events that culturally connected with the young people, whatever they were into. 
bringing the gospel to them where they're at. And yeah, over 13,500 young people. And I remember on one night over of that night, over 1,500 young people were given Bibles who were saying, hey, I want to know more about Jesus. And, you know, it's a stress, uh, you know, in the right sense, I think, of running these things. It's a stretch. It's a challenge. It's the pressure. But then it's all worth it. And you, you do these journeys with a whole lot of amazing people. And it's never about any one individual. There may be a few on the platform, but there are hundreds, if not you know, thousands of people who help make these kind of things happen. And God puts us in teams. And when we work together like that, amazing things take place. You know, I interviewed Mal Fletcher a few weeks ago when he was in Australia. And, you know, he was one of the original founders of Youth Alive. And I just don't, I said to him, I don't think you realize the impact that Youth Alive has had on this nation, uh, raising up the next generation, you know. So you're one of these next generation guys. You, you know, you did 12 years sowing into the young people uh, of Australia. And then you had a call to go to South Africa. Now, I've got a bunch of South Africans in my church. They say, hey, Butts, how are you? You know, beautiful people, business owners. They're just awesome. And they say to me, you know what? I had to get out of that country. It was tough. It was dangerous. It wasn't a good place to raise my kids. It wouldn't be a place that you would go to unless you had the call of God. How did you get the call to go to South Africa? Well, yeah, I mean, uh, there's a lot of South Africans not living in South Africa, and some of you may be listening to the program, and we love you. Uh, But, you know, the thing is, you can't listen to someone's opinion. You have to listen to what God's saying to you. And, uh, you know, we just felt called that uh, this was where God was stirring us for the next season. And, uh, you know, actually, uh, you talk about safety and where you'd raise your kids. I I, uh, had the privilege of meeting Brother Andrew, who, uh, you know, was involved in bringing Bibles into communist uh, nations and works now with a lot of the um, Muslim-believing nations and Muslim-believing uh, you know, or Muslim background believers, people who've come out of that, and he goes into the Middle East, goes into these dangerous places. And I said to him, I said, Brother Andrew, where is the most dangerous place for a Christian in the world today? And he looked back at me, and he's this little old Dutchman. You know, we're having a cup of tea, and he said to me, he goes, the most dangerous place for a Christian is out of the will of God. And I thought, you know what, that's why you're Brother Andrew. Um, You know, I mean, it was just such wisdom. And, you know, if you're going where God has called you to go, then God will back you up. And we felt that completely in South Africa. We love it. It's been not without its challenges, but the church is growing. The church is thriving. Uh, People from all different backgrounds are coming in, committing their lives to Christ, growing in their faith in God. And we just love it. For us, it's exactly where we're called to be. And uh, we thank God for the privilege of serving in what we believe is an awesome nation, which has incredible potential. And we're all about seeing that nation become all that God's called it to be. Well, we're at Hillsong 2010. There's, I think, 24,000 people at the night rallies at Acer Arena here. Uh, you know, I just shared with you the vision for the call prayer gathering at Suncorp Stadium. Stadiums were made, you know, convention centers were made for church, you know. Uh, you shared a story I heard in one of your sermons about uh, how the Lord opened the door for you uh, at uh, one of the big convention centers in, in uh, South Africa. Tell us about that. Yeah, look, I think when you're starting anything or you've got a vision, uh, you can get all excited and uh, then you get all kinds of doubts, uh, you know, negative words, uh, people who haven't heard from God the way you have. And you know, even when we were planning the church, I felt the best location for us would be somewhere central which was right in the center of the city, the convention center. And, uh, you know, in 
in kind of thinking that through, I shared it with a few people and they didn't always share the same passion that I did. It was like, oh, you can't afford that. That's too expensive. Or, you know, people saying, well, why would you go there? What are you trying to prove? And, you know, people kind of undermine the voice of God that you've heard, maybe not even meaning it, maybe, you know, coming out of their own, I don't know, situation. But, you know, it can really pull at uh, what God's spoken to you about. And I really remember thinking, getting challenged by that and almost thinking maybe we're asking or thinking too much. But then, you know, I heard the voice of God, which often comes from my wife. Uh, I find God's voice and my wife's voice can be very similar. And, uh, you know, she said, hey, I think you should have an appointment. I think you should at least go and sit down with the convention center and talk to them about what you want to do. And I'm like, okay, my wife says it, I'm going to do it. And so um, I had an appointment, sat down thinking I'm going to have to explain who we are, what we want to do. The lady I meet with says, you don't have to explain. I know who you are. My brother was in Hillsong Church, London. I'm a believer. I'm a follower of Christ. And I believe God's put me in this position to help get a church established here because we need a church in the center of our city. And then she said, she said, and I'm going to help you get it at the cheapest possible rate. And I was like, okay, thank you, God. God's in this. And uh, we've been meeting in there pretty much. You know, there are times when we can't get it, but very regularly every Sunday since. And the church has been growing, and we thank God that he's opened that door for us. We've got to wrap it up in a minute, but just before we go, uh, I'll just share a quick story. Uh, Phil spoke at Hillsong 2010 today and shared about raising $50,000 on this massive mountain bike ride, you know, and I just think you've got that spirit of adventure, you've got that passion in your life, and it's so contagious, you know, like, you'll do that for a mate uh, who's, you know, recovering from addictions because you love him and you want to raise money for a good cause, you know, you'll you'll plant a church in South Africa, you'll run Youth Alive New South Wales, you know, you've got that adventurous spirit, and I just want to bless you and thank you for the encouragement you've been to many other young people over the years. Now, the last thing I want to ask you is, you know, there might be people listening that aren't sure about going to heaven, aren't sure about a relationship with God, don't know what it means to be a Christian. Would you speak to them about how they would do that? Absolutely. The, the greatest joy in my life is to share the good news of Jesus. And it truly is good news. And sometimes people have had a confused message, maybe because, you know, uh, they connected with a Christian who wasn't perfect or a church experience that kind of hurt them. But you know what? That's not God's intention. God is a lover of people. His son Jesus is all about bringing grace and love and freedom and forgiveness to every individual. And and it is through Jesus that we're connected with God. It's by the grace of of God that we experience the life and the eternal life that he has for us. And I would encourage anybody listening who's not sure about whether they're going to heaven, whether they have a faith um, that's real, all you need to do is just, in your own words, just open your heart to God, to accept His Son Jesus, to thank Him for for what He has done, to ask Him into your heart, to allow Him to forgive you, and that's what He will do. He does it for everyone. 
And when you do that, you know what? I believe you're going to sense and know his grace, his forgiveness, and he wipes the slate clean. Some of us have made mistakes. Some of us think, man, I'm not good enough for God. I I don't think if, would God ever love me? The truth is none of us are good enough for God. That's why he sent Jesus. And when we open our hearts to him, he gives us a brand new start. He wipes the slate clean. And we have an eternal hope that when we die, we will be with him in eternity. And so I'd encourage anyone, if you haven't, get to know Jesus and your life will be transformed. Mate, that is the best news. And, you know, if people want to respond to that, uh, they can go to the website, hillsong.com. There's plenty of links there and information. How, how do people track you down in South Africa? Do you have a website for your church yet? Yeah? yeah, look, it's just hillsong, www.hillsong.co.za, and they can see all that we're about. And, uh, you know, I'm on Twitter, and, you know, we can, yeah, keep in touch however. But, uh, yeah, we'd love to hear from people. So uh, it's awesome. Loving the journey. All right, mate. I reckon you're history maker. Phil, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Matt. Good to see you after all these years. Champion. If you'd like to download this interview, just go to www.historymakersradio.com. And also, you can make a donation if you'd like. I'm Matt Prater. Have a great week. History Makers.